psychology. It's more than a philosophy, more than a psychology, more than just an ecology, bigger than biology, larger than anthropology, brushes against astrology. That's prophecology. Master Prophet Ebernard Jordan, your most trusted name in prophecy. I am so excited to have this reverend on the line today with us here on this podcast, Minister Jonathan. And um, we're going to have you read his um, bio, but I have been um, to this church. I have, um, well, we'll talk about why I was there, and they're doing something that's cutting edge and moving. So, um, Minister Jonathan, who do we have today? We have the Reverend David Keith Brawley. The Reverend David Keith Brawley is the seventh pastor of the 3,000-member St. Paul Community Baptist Church located in the East New York section of Brooklyn and serves as the chairman of the East Brooklyn Congregations. He is also the founder of the award-winning Image Me Leadership Charter School, the first all-boys charter school in the East New York section of Brooklyn, which educates minority boys grades K through 6. Preaching since the age of 16, Reverend Brawley began his full-time career in ministry in 1994 at St. Paul, where he served as assistant pastor from 1995 until 2007. As lead pastor of St. Paul, Reverend Brawley has led the charge in several life-transforming initiatives that have impacted thousands of New Yorkers. Notably, his work with Metro IAF has yielded the construction of over 3,000 affordable homes and a $73 million educational campus in the borough of Brooklyn. The formation of the B20 Leadership Scholarship Fund has distributed over 100,000 to graduating high school seniors in Brooklyn and the creation of the ministry's summer reading enrichment program for children grades K through 8, which has produced improved reading and comprehension test scores for 90% of annual participants. Participants, Pastor Broadley resides in Brooklyn, New York. Oh my God, let's give Pastor Brawley a hand. God bless you. Man of God, man of God. Um, do any grass get a chance to grow under your feet? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Not sleepless nights. Man, I am so, I am so moved. Um, so you, you grew up at St. Paul's, is that, would that be accurate? Uh, yes, in this regard, I grew into the person I'm, I am today at St. Paul. Um, I actually started ministry on Long Island. Okay, so as a teenager, you started being around St. Saint, Saint Paul? Well, I actually got there at the age of 24, 
and came on staff at 26. Okay, uh, so you came on as a young as a as a young adult. Correct. So so let's go before St. Paul. Um, you were on Long Island, if you can. What was it like being? Because see, I started in ministry when I was 15 years old. I started preaching and prophesying. I, you know, I did my trial sermon. You know, all the stuff that yeah. they used to do back then. I don't even know if they still do it. Do they still do trial sermons? Well, maybe I, I we shouldn't get into that right now, <laughs> Pastor Brawley. Um, how was it starting out as a young preacher? So I started um, ministry at the age of 16. Mm -hmm. I was licensed at a church called First Baptist Church in Deer Park. Oh. And, uh, I, I was able to preach um, probably three, four times a year. And uh, a pastor at that time was attempting to develop me. And when I turned 17, he passed. And so in some ways I felt in ministry until about 20 when I met Dr. Dante Youngblood, who took me on and uh, at the age of 20, I became his principal. Wow. Yes, Minister. That's so powerful, uh, Reverend Broly. Now, uh, First Baptist of Deer Park, that's where I believe our father, late Bishop Archbishop Roy Brown, um, he pastored out there. Yes. For his first pastorate. Really? Yes, at 19 years old. And I believe that's where, is that where the Reverend Pittman was? Pippin, correct. Pippin, Pippin, yes, yes, yes. He recently yes. passed recently away. Recently passed away, yes. Wow. So I got a little Baptist in me. You got a little Baptist in you, Bishop. We <laughs> you know, at Virginia Union, um, I got a whole lot of Baptists in me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, this is great. So you're the seventh pastor of this um, great church. Um, and I went, I went to the church there. Um, my, well, Joshua was still at home. My, my boys were small. So it had to be more than 10 years ago. It might have been, um, I don't think, I don't, it had to be around 2000 and it had to be around about 2005 or so because they, I went there for the Mayafa. And um, there was a lot of controversy around the Mayafa from churches. Um, well, I shouldn't say churches. Let me just qualify this. From some of the Pentecostal churches as to whether this was actually God or not, you know. Um, did you know much about some of the people having challenges with the whole idea of doing a Mayafa? So... Um I think when we have had opportunities to debrief with people, um, when we have an opportunity to give clarity on the message, most people wait what I think clear understanding. But without that process, I think sometimes people misunderstand um, good intention. Most definitely. Now, uh, what I loved about St. Paul, they brought the, the African experience, the culture, the the whole experience of the Middle Passage right into um, language, but a lot of this you don't get to see it done through the church or through our faith. Usually, you know, you're going out to a theater to watch it or, you know, you get a little bit of it maybe if you saw a dance company do something. But what this ministry has done and for you to keep this going on, 
Um, how long has this um, production been going on and how did it come about? So I've been at St. Paul now for 26 years. My aunt and I are the same age in that wow. regard. Um, and I was in the very first presentation and have been in every single presentation every year. Wow. Um, so we try not to do that as a production. Although it has production value, we think of it as ritual mm -hmm. in the sense that it is community forming and informing. Mm -hmm. um, so let me just talk a little bit about ritual, as I understand. Mm -hmm. Ritual, we do ritual every day. Yes. We have a routine that can form into a ritual. Um, celebrate birthdays. Mm -hmm. We light candles, buy cakes, have parties, ritual. Ritual is something to do with intent. Ritual is something we do uh, on a regular basis and it's consistent with that. St. Paul engages in a ritual remembrance where we reflect upon our journey. Um, Dr. Marilla, who gave us the term Ma'a, talks to us about this whole process um, of connecting to uh, our heritage, connecting to our experience in the motherland, but she called Ma'afa, Ma'afa represents the idea of the black Holocaust. And so the whole premise here is, is that we have yet to really mourn our loss. Right. That's powerful. And you know, when we begin to look at that with um, understanding the whole concept of ritual, um, I don't want to make it trivial, but you know, like brushing teeth is a ritual. Getting up, if you you know you go in and going to Starbucks each morning. Some people say I can't even get my day started without a cup of coffee. But when we start looking at this um, whole thing, where I think um, some years ago um, I was a, in my twenties, a lot of people we were reading um, um, Kajufu's book and was dealing with the whole concept of the rites of passage. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things that have been missing um, that was in our tradition that we didn't know the value of them. And then there was almost like a generation that has forgotten them and we moved away from it. No different than like um, Jews has bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. Mm -hmm. There were certain things, if you go to Africa, they have the rites of passages when we were there and um, in South Africa, in Swaziland, um, are in a couple of weeks, they do something. Um, um, it just left me, and I just wrote about it. Um, they do something where they go out, the men, the old men, and the young men go out into the, um, go out, and they're away for um, days, and they um, hunt. But they go out as warriors to bring back, and it's the and then it's like the it's like the first fruit harvest, and um, and it's a whole month of celebration. But when you see the young boys going out with older men, you begin to see the continuity. So with the with Saint Paul taking this on as a practice as part of your faith, you began to see the evolution of the culture as well grow with the faith of the believer there at St. Paul and the community? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say it this way. Um, Ma'afa helps us to recognize what's out of balance. Mm. So we go through life, and oftentimes we never take time to reflect. 
we don't engage in a contemplative lifestyle. It comes along with being American, right? Um, you constantly go, and if you're a New Yorker, you're real New Yorker. <laughs> One of the things this pandemic has shown us are things that live with, live with and some things we live without. It has helped us find our values in some way and to honor and to embrace, which is most important, because we had we had to pause. My moment for the community to stop, mm. to pause. Now, I'll share this story. So one of the rituals we do at the very beginning of my offer is a permission ceremony. And guess who we get permission from? The elders? The seniors. Yeah. And the first year we did it, um, they got mad at me. I said, why do you get mad at me? They said, about time. <laughs> so what do you mean? And then they recognized, they, they had me to recognize the moments in which we overlooked our seniors, mm -hmm. moments in which we did not address our young people, did not show respect. Um, a few years ago, our community, it was a very um, weird game, a vicious game of knockout. Mm -hmm. Young people would be in the streets and knock out seniors. So what I did that year is um, we gave every one of them bracelets. And it was a simple bracelet. Um, material was basic. I think we made them by hand. And we put them on their arms. We hugged on them. And then we apologized if we opened them in any way. And we waited reaction. They said, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> they milked it, man. And so I got on my knees and said, can we begin this ritual of remembrance? It's it's a ritual, and we expect the answer to be yes, but we can't start until they give us permission to start. The next ritual is a baby death. So that's the that's the ritual of hope, right? So we're out of balance to get in line with our seniors, but we're out of hope if we don't recognize the children. So that's deep. Yes, that's deeply biblical. Um, and in Christian values. And then we engage in a moment of serious and reflection um, our journey. How did we get here? Um, we remember in the script how we're told to remember. Matter of fact, some of the best I ever get a chance to hear is preaching that comes not telling me something new, but telling me something remember. Right. So what my Appa does is it says, let's remember our church and the God who kept us along the way. Now watch this. Um, scholarship teaches us this. Our scholarship that the African who got on board Goat's death ship is not the same African who landed on this. Mm. A 90-day journey with grave deprivation, um, tight pack, loose pack. Um, oftentimes not able to uh, move. They put them in, they put our ancestors in four-foot coffins about that size mm -hmm. and unable to move. They talk about at least 20% of our ancestors on those ships never made it. So the numbers in the area of about 8 to 12 million of us who made it to the side, whether it was South America, the Caribbean, 
or North America, you look at that aggregate, they say you can multiply by about five. Mm -hmm. Because Africans fought before they got those deaths. There were Africans who jumped overboard. And so now we have estimates and numbers. We say they're not numbers, they're ancestors. There are people. And then we start to recognize, and medical science is proving this out, that um, our DNA, the trauma of our ancestors, gets passed. Mm. And that is not a uh, breakthrough study that they're doing. Um, and it's, it's pretty much well documented that that trauma is now inside us. How do you deal with it? How do you understand how do you understand that? Because ministry is supply and need, right? And address and address an issue, right? And ultimately connect us back to our creative redemptive work. For us, all of that checks boxes when it comes down to mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Um, so this is great. And um, I like what um, and and also don't y'all do something um, because I wasn't able to make it the next day. Well, um, y'all do something. Y'all, y'all did something down by the sea or something or by the water. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So that's the closeout. So let me just kind of package it kind of succinctly. You've got the permission service. You've got the service of hope, baby dedication. Then you have, you have education, lectures, talks, preaching. Um, sometimes activities. And then you have just showed on the screen a moment ago in my office. And oftentimes people think that that's the only thing we do. And they think of it as a theater. I would only say it's a psychodrama. But if it is in any way theater or have theater or production value, it would almost be similar to Hamilton. Hmm. With Hamilton, there are some liberties taken. Mm-hmm. The way in which you start. Um, it's designed to create a concept that includes all of us in the framing and understanding of a foundation. Right? So in that regard, my opera has no production value, but it's designed to connect us and remember us. Mm-hmm. So the word remembrance has at its core an act of remembering, bringing back and so a disconnect in our memory will also mean loss of consciousness and can also result in a loss of identity. Hmm. Who are we? Now, if you couple that with our identity in Christ, you can really go to the Hebrew text, right? When I said Hebrew text, I'm talking about the book of mm-hmm. uh, chapter 11, where you see the whole faith. It's a kind of um, understanding where we see that each one contributed to a storyline, right, of faith. And ultimately, it talks about all those who came before mm-hmm. Christ look unto the promise. And we who have come since Christ look unto the promise, right? In other words, they were looking for it. We look unto the promise. We're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we see it in the scriptures. You know, you just a lens to really know what you're looking for, but it, it's there, right there in the screen. And it's pretty cool. 
Oh, most definitely. Well, you know, we begin to look at Israel that uh, when they crossed the Red Sea, they had to remember. The Passover was a whole idea, a ritual of remembering. When they got over to Jericho, amen, they had to begin to have the stones of memorial, which is remembrance. And even right. till this day, um, the Feast of Tabernacles is supposed to be a feast that is always remembered and kept. Um, we keep the body and the blood of the Lord, which is remembrance. And so in a lot of ways, the arts, this is why when Hitler um, was doing the work that he was doing, he, he with the, some of the first groups of people he, he eliminated was the artists. You wanted, because the artists are the musical prophets. They're the artistic aspect of the prophetic, the arts, which bring people into the remembrance. And so much of the culture is carried in the arts, yeah. right? Yeah. In the prophetic aspect of the arts. And so when I saw that, I saw it as such a, something that was so powerful. It created conversation in a lot of different um, churches around the city as I grew up in Brooklyn. And it was a great conversation because now the church is doing something that has an impact. And it was people coming from all different walks of life. I mean, you had buses of people coming there to see the Mayafa and witness this ritual. Is that correct? Yeah, um, we estimate now at least 50,000 people through the years. And that's a low mm -hmm. uh, 50 to perhaps 75,000 people witnessed this uh, presentation. Um, this year is a little unique uh, based on 19. So uh, we did a movie. And uh, you showed a little clip of that. Um, and that was right in experience. Yes. Now, let me ask you this. Any reason why y'all, um, any reason why St. Paul did this every year around September? Yeah, um, so that came under the tenure of my predecessor, Dr. Youngblood. Um, as I understand, it's connected to a, a moment of healing and international movement. Um, and we just, we maintain um, But we also say to other congregation, you can do my Anytime you want to. That's the power of mm -hmm. the community side when it wants to do an act on its own behalf and self interest. So there are churches that do it in November. Most churches do it in February. Wants to do it in February, yeah. Black History Month. Um, but it's courageous at other points of the year as well. Great. And when we begin to look at this um, whole concept of ritual, and um, this is probably a, a going to another interview with ritual, is um, um, you probably know Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Um, yes. He comes to our church and speak quite often, him and, and Mother Jeffries part of our prophetic order. So I dropped Mother Jeffrey off at the home, and of course Dr. Jeffrey says, um, you can't just drop Mother off here at the home and not come in come in and let me give you a glass of water or something. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I stopped in his home, thinking it was going to be about five minutes. Well, um, he had me to sit down, and we're looking. It's a half hour. It's an hour. My wife and I get up to leave. I says, okay, we're going to get ready to go. He said, this is impolite of you. He says, you know you have no reason 
<laughs> getting up and leaving unless you ask your elders pr- for permission to leave. Mm. <laughs> so I sit back down, and he goes into another conversation. And listen, he listen, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, the mind of this man, him and his, and his, and, and, and his wife is sitting there saying, Leonard, you cannot do this. This is the archbishop. This is the archbishop. You can't do this. You can't say this to the archbishop. Says, archbishop, he is, yes, but I am his elder. <laughs> 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 and, um, and he poured out. It was so rich. And um, after that, I said, uh, uh, Dr. Jeffries, uh, Baba, do I have permission to leave? He says, yes, you have permission to leave, but just one more thing. And so um, (laughs) (laughs) I I get it, but that is something that has been lost Mm -hmm. in the culture. And if we got back to honoring our fathers and mothers, and that's just not your birth father and mother, but getting back to understanding eldering, and understand dur- discerning the body, could there be a lot of progress, um, Reverend, in the community? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, one of the things that I'm looking at now is the intersectionality of ritual and social justice. Mm. So that I, I'm thinking that it's high likely that when grounded in sense of remembrance and connection that it helps us to fight for our self-interest and it gives us courage to um, fight for the honor of our ancestors, the glory of our God, and also our children, and also I, I believe that's yeah. Wow. Listen, I, I, we've got to get together and do some more. T- we we got to talk some more. So, Listen, y'all doing so much work in the community. We haven't, what, what is, okay, so I got about 10 questions. I'm only going to ask two. Let's see. How long did it take you to put, I mean, COVID just happened. How long did it take y'all to put this production together? Because I was moved by, the, I, I, when I looked at this thing, I mean, the Mayafa, I was like, how and I mean, and you can tell they're doing it during COVID because um, the mother, the grandmother speaks to the child in the beginning and saying, you know, speaks about COVID. They go out to walk and the transition of her eyes becoming fixed and shift. And then she takes you back into the past. Mm. What, um, when did y'all have time to do this? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. So, <laughs> yeah, the story is this. It took us six weeks to do the whole thing, from writing the script wow. to production wow. to what you just did. And it is, you know, without e- exception, it is probably the finest uh, piece we've ever done. Um, it's the commitment, creativity of the cast, director, I Warrell, phenomenal. And, um, we used all outdoor locations except for uh, maybe prison scenes so that we could stay safe. We had a lot of COVID uh, 
testing, a lot of work was done, uh, and did the filming in one week so we could limit any exposure. Yeah. So it, it was it was it was a it was a major undertaking. We did the whole thing in six weeks. Now, it it was just amazing. Um, I pray God will grace you with the wisdom to do um, some teaching around that, so possibly families, because I would love it if um, you did some teaching around that about how the family could practice ritual mm. so Absolutely. that they could remember and do some teaching and some and, a, and maybe like a workbook of some practices mm. of remembering ritual. Like, like Jews, they you know, eat the bitter herbs and they remember to keep the Seder. And they remember when they went, they have the salt and you drink the salt water or you taste the salt so you can remember the tears that they've cried. Mm. See, they, see, they took all of that, of what they went through in Egypt, so that they can remember that every year at the Passover. Yes. Even if we did that, if they got Juneteenth as a national holiday in America, or something that could be a collaboration with the elders. But I think what, Saint, with, with, um, what Reverend Brawley has and what St. Paul has is that it, something that comes with our tr Christian tradition that keeps Christ in it. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Because we can have a lot of individuals that are telling our story, but it is absent of our faith. And that's where I think we lose a lot of our community that they don't... See, I see a black Jesus. I'm clear that Jesus is black. Because I can't serve something other than who I am. So I'm clear as to who God is to me. That is clear. If I see God as anything other than me, diminishes me as a being. So that is where I'm clear. But if we can begin to um, get, maybe COVID may have upgraded this, mm -hmm. because now to watch this as a family or people watching it on their cell phone, but practicing ritual, going through it and going through the journey of maybe remembering our elders. I think you're on to something here. And I think you're on to something that moves beyond the church. It moves into the kingdom because you're going in now into community and really beginning to impact the culture. Well, one of the things we attempted to do was to bring my op to people. So the last design we had was house on stage. And so we said, trying to bring it home. This year, with the movie, trying to bring my into your home. Mm. When you think about COVID-19 restrictions, many churches and members communion at home. And we, we have increased study, um, of course, through virtual connection, fellowship, but bringing my home. And just one other thing I want to share. We told an amazing story this year of the African burial ground in East New York. Mm -hmm. And many people didn't know the story. And so we went over to the uh, cemetery where you could see the names of the pioneers and the, uh, the janitors who were Dutch. But what people don't know is there was another cemetery across the street. 
And that's what your ancestors were. And that cemetery was desecrated. They put a school and a playground and then a, a library mm. over the bodies of your ancestors. When a developer to do some uh, redevelop particular area, they noticed and recovered some of the bone ancestors. Mm. If you look in the cemetery across the street where the Dutch Reform Church is, you'll see the names of pioneers. But if you look at the street signs, they're the same sign. Mm. So where our church is located, where our school is located, Black and Brown Boys, which is one of the number one schools for Black and Brown Boys in the city, likely the Skank Street represents Skank family who were the largest slave owners in Flatbush. Whoa. What? I got you. You understand? So connecting those dots gotcha. gives us the passion to be more and to do more, to recognize that, oh, let me just share this. East New York was founded by the Dutch, and they brought slaves in because they were farmers and not farmers, not into mm -hmm. agriculture. So they brought Africans in to work the land and to clear off the new lot. Come on. Uh, you know what? You, you, you know what? Uh, <laughs> Right? Now watch this. Nula. Yeah, I know. I grew up in Brooklyn. Watch this. <laughs> it was called the Great Market of America. That means it was one of the wealthiest areas in all of America because of our ancestors. When they entered in New York, eventually Europeans came in, immigrants who didn't even speak English got jobs over people, we will move out. Then they put us all in Brownsville until Brownsville all of us. Then they moved us back to New York. Then they redlined yeah. They kept all the stuff away from us. They created the business. And then they looked up and said, what's wrong with you? Mm. Wow. And so when you know these stories, um, we got work to do. We okay. have work. He, who, that's powerful. So we have to come back. This is a, that's no. A that's a, all of what he's sharing there. I see a series of movies that could be on Netflix or something. Absolutely. That right there. I mean, Brooklyn's the world of You must prophesy because I'm, this is I'm what we're talking about. I'm prophesying to you right now. So I'm telling you. That's powerful. They have a series just Everything. coming out of there and they could start it with calling it the borough of kings wow <laughs> we love both shots and, and, and if you begin to look at it some of your major voices came out of brooklyn mm. because the ancestors are still at work reverend sharpton out of brooklyn yes bishop jordan out of brooklyn reverend yes. youngblood out of Brooklyn, yes. Sandy Ray's out of Brooklyn, Gardner Taylor out of Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. Bill Jones, Bill right. Jones out of Brooklyn. More okay. churches are in Brooklyn. Yeah, did they, they can't help it? It is the place of the birthplace of kings. Wow. Archbishop. Yes. Archbishop. <laughs>
So one of the things I want to go back and teach my folk, as I've uncovered some of the history of our own congregation, in 1927, the Great Migration, the first wave, our folks came from the Carolinas, and what they did was was start the church. And they were they were founded in 1927 Brownsville. And it was the first church in Brownsville. And they called it a community church because they were trying to retain the sense of community they had in oh. South Carolina. Yep. So when our church does community work, it's in our DNA. Yeah. You know, you know, you're gonna make me Powerful. speak in tongues up in here. This is you know, this th this bishop, um, this becomes a part of the ritual. Yeah. Now I want to take my kids and say, okay, part of our ritual will be a part of going to see this, going to, Flat, I mean, Flatbush, I mean, finding this is all a part of ritual. It's the whole thing, yeah. I mean, and you think of people like, you know, Spike Lee came out of um, Brooklyn. Um, yes. um, I think Biggie, right? Biggie's down, yes. Out of Brooklyn. You know, some of the great, some of the great, people that were supposed to be accidents, accidents, people that were not destined to make it, but somehow got wired into something that we've got to ask the question, why are we here? Mm -hmm. And what is it that we're supposed to give voice to? Wow. Yes. You are, God has raised you up for such a time as this. And, um, 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 we got to talk some more because you're you're really opening me. Because see, 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 for the Dutch to to have that stronghold in Brooklyn, my first trip out of the country was into South Africa, where I had to touch people in the Dutch Reformed Church, mm. hmm. and then go to Swaziland and prophesy to members of the royal family and then come back into Swaziland, I mean, at, back into South Africa. But here I am prophesying and ministering in all of this Dutch Reform-type theology, Dutch Reform church, only because the birthplace of my birth is in Brooklyn. Hmm. Mm. My mission has never been able to get disconnected. Yeah. Wow. Ritual. <laughs> this is... A, We've got to talk some more. This is not. <laughs> this, this is nowhere near over. You, this is yeah, this, this a lot yeah. deeper than. I'll, I'll, give one, I'll give you one more. You know, Pickin Avenue. Pickin Avenue. Yes. J.R. Pickin, who came from Hartford, Connecticut, who said, um, "This is how you get the name of New York." He said, "What the land, farmland," and he decided he was going to industrialize the area, and he wanted to something that would compete with New York City. So he built east of New York City, east New York. New York. Whoa. This is, uh, wow. see, and this is history. Now watch this. Once you can understand your past, you can predict the future. Yes, sir. And this is why... And see, when you see gentrification, all of this is going on. Mm. 
what COVID is doing is leveling yes. the playing field. It it is more of a this plague is more prophetic than people even can even get to understand. But we have not come together as a body of elders to begin to look at it to discern why this pandemic is late is is leveling the playing fields of the world. It's something like the plagues of Egypt. It hit every oppressive institution mm. and brought it low. It is not, it was, see, seven plagues are really seven moves of God. Okay. Seven moves of God. I mean, I mean, the 10 plagues are really 10 moves of God. The 10 moves of God are really 10 awakenings. We are having awakenings in the banking industry, awakenings in the employment industry, awakenings in the education industry, awakenings in the healthcare industry. Every place that has systemic racism is being leveled right now in this pandemic. Every particular area. And we need That's to right. bring the prophets together, the prophetic elders, to yes. look at what is actually taking place so we can discern how do we pivot and position ourselves for the new world that is being birthed right now? See, Bishop, Archbishop, I think what we need to understand is the conditions and the conditioning. Mm. So that what Alpha does is it says something's been done to you. Mm. Rather than internalizing the oppression, how about we understand what's been done to us and what we have to address. So one of the things I do is I like to tell the story of 1938. Um, one of the pastors of St. Paul, uh, Dr. Smith, he built in the 40s the St. Paul Baptist Church from the ground up. He did it during the time of the war. Resources were limited. It was not put it to build. He built in two years. Mm built off of chicken dinners, people giving their last, mm. doing the best they could, and black folks in Brownsville built a church from the ground up. Johnny Ray, the predecessor, he moved St. Paul from Brownsville to East New York. In 1980, he joins a coalition of churches, faith organizations, and they built Nehemiah. Yeah. Nehemiah Housing in Brownsville They've just done a study. It has now changed the trajectory of the uh, children of those parents who brought them out home. And they're wealthier than their parents. And the collective aggregate wealth of about a billion dollars. Wow. Because of Nehemiah. I remember that housing. So what I'm saying to my people, if we could do that then. Come on. If we could build during the time of a war. If we could regenerate a whole entire mm. area of the city, what can we do now in this? Oh my God. Mm. We have got to talk. This is God. <laughs> we, uh, this is, this, this is, this, this, this is, this, this is very real. And this is, this is God. Now, what Reverend Brawley is talking about. He is only just dealing with Brooklyn. Can you imagine what will happen when you begin to marry the kings and the queens together? 
and how that whole thing come together in Manhattan. And see, when you start getting into Harlem, you start getting there into like the whole thing with the Reverend Ike's, the Father Divine, the Daddy Grace, all of all of all of these. Um, um, the first um, who Reverend Johnny Youngblood is trying to make a ch um, a scholarship out of um, Adam K. Clayton Powell. Correct. Oh. And how it shifted politics. Oh my gosh, Abyssinian. This is this. Th th these are stories that are whispered but not really told in the way that the next generation can really see the richness of the her in, you know our heritage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. We we will be coming back <laughs> and getting together. I, you have you have um, blown my mind. Thank you. And um, tell me how can people get in touch with you and your ministry to. Um, um, to, to be exposed to the Maafa and to the work that y'all are doing there at St. Paul. Yeah, the Maafa is um, on YouTube. Um, you can also get to us by way of our website, spcbc.com. You can uh, Google us, reach out to us. Um, I see people watch the movie one hour, and I promise it will change. Oh, it's a game changer. It's a, it's, a, it's a game changer. We have to get him to come. What we're going to do, we have to, we'll do the Mayafa, um, Obed, we'll have to do the Mayafa. Do a watch night? No, we do it a watch night on Verbella and invite leaders to come and then have him share. Absolutely. And share, you know, the whole idea. But I need to make it something. I want to make it something like really prophetic, like a like like a must ritual. I got like a ritual where people can watch it from their home and let it start and bring bring probably pastors and leaders together, pastors and leaders from around the country, because we could fit five thousand on the Rebella platform if we can get the leaders to come and observe it. It, it will take it there, but it needs to be the teaching, the preparation he does there before it, and then All after it, and then how to continue the movement so that it can start the remembering. Because when, because once you start remembering, you're healing what has been dismembered. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's it. I, I want to thank you for this opportunity to share um, what church is doing, and I just want to say, Paul, they paid the. A bill from my op will be all of the rich, all the work during the pandemic. And I'm oh, great. That's its own movie. <laughs> that's its own movie, yeah. And I, it's we really think. Okay, well, God bless you. We will, um, and um, what's the website again if we wants to send, if he wants to send a donation, which they will watch this and they will send a donation? <laughs> well, you can uh, get to us at spcbc.com. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you, Reverend Brawley. And the Lord bless you and keep you. Blessings on you. Thank you. All right. To keep in touch with Master Prophet E. Bernard Jordan, go to www.bishopjordan.com and follow him on all social media platforms. To get more information about the Prophetology Conference and or more special events, go to www.zoeministries.com or call 888-831-0434. Thank you and stay blessed.